Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, more than one in 20 Americans is unbanked or underbanked, including thousands of veterans. How the VA's Veterans Benefits Banking Program is helping to change that for the benefit of everyone involved. Also this morning, after last weekend's early preview of summertime weather, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is once again reminding drivers about the dangers of kids in hot cars. And we have another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, April 29th, 2022. International Dance Day today. It is also Child Care Professionals Day. Happy Arbor Day to you. Plant a tree today. It's National Arbor Day. Final Friday in April is so designated. Viral Video Day. Maybe post a video of yourself dancing today and maybe it'll go viral. National Hairball Awareness Day. National Historic Marker Day. National, you always see those uh, historical markers. They just had one that they uh, put up in uh, Hauktown uh, to uh, honor uh, Dummy Hoy. Um, but, and we had that in the news a couple of weeks ago. How often do you actually stop and read all of those historic markers? We've got a number of them uh, in, in Findlay. We've got a handful of uh, historic markers. So, Go out of your way to read those uh, today. National Historic Marker Day. National Shrimp Scampi Day. World Wish Day. If you're wishing for some shrimp shrimp scampi, (laughs) it's your day. And it is National Zipper Day today. So think of where we would be without that. Uh, Let's see some of the uh, reasons to celebrate some of the observances today. So uh, last night, the uh, first round of the NFL draft, uh, really wild. The first five picks were all defensive players, three defensive ends and two cornerbacks were the first five uh, players picked. It is the first time that five defensive players have been picked uh, in the uh, NFL draft. The first five on the defensive side, first time that's happened in 31 years and only the second time that that's happened in the modern era. So uh, very unusual. I thought when I was watching it, I was like, man, that's a, that's very unusual. You've got th- uh, three defensive ends and two cornerbacks in the first five picks. That's weird. And indeed, it was. Um, some of the other uh, most interesting picks, the Steelers got their... Franchise quarterback, perhaps, replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. They took uh, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett. It was the only quarterback picked in the first round, and he went at uh, number 20 uh, overall, I think. And it's the first time in 20 years that there's been only one quarterback go in the first round. So, again, that unusual. The Bengals uh, got safety Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Uh, top-rated safety in the draft, and one of the top-rated players. So pretty good pick there, uh, number 31 uh, for the uh, Bengals. Browns, of course, did not have a pick in the uh, first round. And uh, there were a couple of other uh, 
couple of other interesting notes from uh, the folks at CBS Sports. They were uh, tweeting about this all last night. Georgia had five defensive players drafted in the first round. That's the most by a single school in NFL draft history. And um, it's the first time that six wide receivers were drafted in the top 20 uh, since in the modern era, era, in the common draft era, uh, which means since 1967. So six wide receivers, uh, including uh, the two Buckeyes. Uh, and then the Alabama kid uh, went, what was it? The uh, Buckeyes wide receivers went, what, nine and 10. And then the Alabama wide receiver that was a Buckeye before transferring went at number 11. So bang, bang, bang. And uh, very unusual for three former teammates to go back to back to back. So there were some interesting uh, things there in the uh, draft continues tonight with the second round live from Vegas. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to uh, start your day. Um, So this is the new uh, latest climate change controversy here. 16 states along with two large climate organizations and the United Auto Workers are all suing the U.S. Postal Service in an effort to block its purchase of more than 140,000 new mail delivery trucks over environmental issues. This according to a report in the Washington Post. The uh, new vehicles would improve working conditions for UPS Uh, USPS workers, but they would not significantly improve fuel consumption or carbon emissions. And these states, these environmental organizations, and the UAW have a problem with that. The suit cites the potential environmental impact of the new fleet and uh, the Postal Service paying Wisconsin contractor Oshkosh to begin production without first conducting a thorough climate-based analysis. The UAW joined the suit after uh, Oshkosh announced it would build the new mail trucks in South Carolina, which is not a union state. So they have their own agenda there. California Attorney General Rob Bonta said in announcing the lawsuit that the Postal Service is doubling down on outdated technologies. He said once this purchase goes through, we'll be stuck with more than 100,000 new gas-guzzling vehicles on neighborhood streets, serving homes across our state and across the country for the next 30 years. Oh, the horrors. I don't know. I mean, as many miles as they put on the mail trucks, could they go electric with those? I mean, I know they generally don't go at high speeds or travel long distances on highways, although they do travel uh, quite a long distance, many of those uh, mail delivery trucks but a little bit at a time and at low speed. So I don't know uh, if uh, going green is really even feasible for the Postal Service, but apparently these people think that it is, or at least they should investigate it more. So I don't know. Watch where that goes. Uh, Let's see. This was an interesting story. I saw on the uh, Newswire jumped out at me. Employees of the Carroll Independent School District in South Lake, Texas, learned this week that there has been a new clause inserted into their employment contracts. It is a non-disparagement clause that states, quote, 
You agree not to disparage, criticize, or defame the district, its employees, or officials to the media, unquote. This is what school employees are now required to not disparage the school district in any way. Now, this is significant because it was about seven months ago that teachers in that very district went public with their concerns after an administrator advised that books on the Holocaust be balanced with books that show opposing perspectives. (laughs) And I believe we talked about that when it happened, because I can remember thinking, what's the opposing view of the Holocaust? (laughs) You know, what is the uh, district later apologized for that uh, boneheaded move, but they decided they didn't like all of the negative publicity, so they inserted this non-disparagement clause uh, in the contract. Now, this is not altogether unusual for a non-disparagement clause to be inserted into an employment contract, but usually that would be just private companies who do that. A labor law expert at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign tells NBC News that the banning of public school employees from criticizing the district opens them up to a constitutional challenge because uh, a teacher is also a taxpayer who is entitled by the First Amendment to criticize a public school district, even one in which they are employed. So stay tuned on this. I have a feeling that the Carroll Independent School District in South Lake, Texas, has bought themselves more bad publicity <laughs> they were trying to avoid in the first place with a non-disparagement clause. Here's the thing. I wonder if uh, you can be held accountable for violating the non-disparagement clause by telling the media that you have a non-disparagement clause. I don't know if <laughs> this whole thing could be a mess. Uh, let's see. If you are the parent of a teenager, if you've ever felt like talking to your teen is like talking to a brick wall, well, a a new study confirms that that may indeed be the case. Researchers at Stanford University used brain scans to find that teenagers' brains start turning out their parents' voices at around the age of 13. (laughs) So... If you have ever wondered when scientifically it is that your kids stop listening to you, it is right around the age of 13. And the reason why is because kids no longer find your voice uniquely rewarding. The lead author of the study, Daniel Abrams, says, as a teen, you don't really know you're doing this. You're just being you. You've got your friends, your new companions, and you want to spend time with them. Your mind is increasingly attracted to these new voices. You know your parents' voice. That's old hat. These are new experiences. Your brain is seeking out those new and unfamiliar voices. And the reward circuits in the brain centers that prioritize important stimuli are more activated by unfamiliar voices than by those of your mom and dad. Again, because they're familiar. You know them. There's nothing new to learn there. The uh, senior author of the study, uh, Vinod Menon, 
says a child becomes independent at some point, and that has to be precipitated by an underlying biological signal, and that's what we've uncovered in this story, the biological signal that helps teens engage with the world and form connections which allow them to be socially adept outside of their families. So, long and short of it is, mom and dad, if you've ever felt like you're talking to a brick wall with your teenager, it's not just your teen, and it's not a conscious thing. They're just being biological humans. It's science! It's kind of interesting, though. And by the way, how about this? I'll throw this out here for you. Um, We're talking about teenagers. Talk about older Americans just waking up here this morning. Seven is the magic number when it comes to the hours of sleep that middle-aged and older adults need. This is according to a new study from the University of Cambridge. Researchers say seven hours is exactly what the mind needs to maintain strong cognitive performance and mental health. You notice they don't say at least seven hours. They say seven hours exactly. No more, no less. Previous studies have found that too little or too much sleep as people age can lead to poorer cognition as well as mental health issues. In this study, examining data from nearly a half million people between the ages of 38 and 73, researchers asked participants about their sleeping patterns, their mental health, their overall well-being. They also uh, subjected these uh, individuals to a series of cognitive tests, and they found both insufficient and excessive sleep had a connection to impaired performance. So... Exactly seven hours. No more, no less. To me, that sounds like a good excuse to go back to bed. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIM News, I'm John Marshall. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly cloudy today with a high 64, mostly cloudy tonight with a low 45. Police in Toledo are seeking information about suspects involved in a drive-by shooting death of a seven-month-old girl. Police say the baby was shot and killed while riding in a vehicle on Wednesday. Her father was driving the vehicle and was grazed by a bullet. Police are asking residents in the area to review any home security footage they may have and to report anything suspicious they noticed on the video. People with tips can call or text Crime Stoppers and may be eligible for a reward. State Representative Jean Schmidt is coming under fire for her comments about sexual assault while testifying about a bill called the Human Life Protection Act. That bill would ban all abortions in Ohio and penalize doctors who perform them. The bill does not provide an exception for victims of rape. It is a shame that it happens, but there's an opportunity for that woman no matter how young or old she is. Well, Democrats have called for an apology and for that bill to be pulled. That's ONN's Angela Ann reporting. Several years ago, the daughter of Columbus TV sports anchor Dom Tiberi was killed in a distracted driving accident. And since then, he's taken Maria's message to schools and conferences across the state. Tiberi spoke at the state leadership conference for the family, career, and community leaders of America. Students from all over the state were there to hear his powerful message and to learn more about practicing driving safety. And Buckeye head coach Ryan Day also joined them. I think in today's day and age is showing and compassion and trying to help others. And when you talk about leadership, I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, you have to kind of set a standard of, you know, your character and who you are as a person. I'm Tracy Townsend. Registration is underway for
for Camp Fun, a free day camp designed for area youth who have been affected by family addictions and overdose. The camp will be held in June at Camp Barry on County Road 40, just south of Finley. The Fun in Camp Fun stands for Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing. The purpose of the camp is to provide a positive, encouraging, and supportive experience for impacted youth. Activities will include hiking, a climbing tower, crafts, games, and even horses. We have a link on our website where you can register. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, think about how challenging it would be in 2022 if you did not have a bank account. Just about every financial transaction is digital now. Paychecks are direct deposited. You probably get your tax refund electronically. Social security benefits are paid the same way, as are VA benefits. And for unbanked or underbanked veterans, the Veterans Benefits Banking Program, in partnership with the Association of Military Banks of America, has become one of the most important benefits for getting those payments to service members and veterans and their families. Charles Tapp II is Chief Financial Officer at the Department of Veterans Affairs in the VA's Office of Financial Management at the Veterans Benefits Administration. And Charles, I looked it up. The FDIC estimates 5.4% of the U.S. population as as a whole, uh, falls into the unbanked category. How many veterans are unbanked today? No, thank you for that question, and certainly thank you for having me on, uh, particularly this month, uh, April being uh, Financial Literacy Month. Um, as of this morning, when I took a look out there, we have approximately uh, 150,000 veterans and beneficiaries who still receive their benefits uh, via Treasury check. Now, mind you, we, we process about 1.5 million to 1.8 million claims per year. So we're constantly seeing new enrollees who are receiving checks. And as you just mentioned, since the inception of this Veterans Benefits Banking Program in December 2019, we've helped 145,000 veterans and their families become banked. Um, but this is something that we're perpetually working on to make sure that uh, new beneficiaries uh, who receive payments from VA are keenly aware of the importance of direct deposit and are certainly aware of the Veterans Benefits Banking Program. And is this specifically for new beneficiaries or uh, are existing beneficiaries who are currently uh, getting paid via paper check, are they eligible for this as well? Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, recipient of a VA benefit and certainly any recipient of a federal benefit would be eligible for this program. So Um, so we are, I'm sorry, please. No, I was going to say, so what is the Veterans Benefits Banking Program and how does it work? So the VBP, it was established in 2019. And it was, again, in partnership between VA and the Association of, of Military Banks of America, came together and uh, AMBA was, is instrumental in helping to create a consortium of banks and credit unions that are willing to provide no-cost and low-cost accounts to veterans and beneficiaries who are willing to deposit their benefits into those accounts. This is particularly important for those who may have had credit issues, and legal issues that preclude them from getting a normal bank account on their own. But by virtue of of coming in through the VVVP, these banks and credit unions have committed to working with um, those veterans as well. 
So, so we see this as an opportunity, truly, to, to be very inclusive yeah. uh, for our veteran veteran community. So uh, important to point out that the VA is not actually acting as a bank itself. It's more like a conduit to guide veterans to banks and credit unions that participate in the program to make it easier for them to access a variety of financial services. So how do veterans apply for an account with a participating bank or credit union? How do they identify uh, participating bank or credit uh, union? And what if they have issues or, or difficulty doing so? No, absolutely. So I'll cover all those questions. So number one, you're exactly right. Uh, VA does not endorse, nor does AMBA endorse any particular bank or credit union, that, uh, number one. Number two, by going to the veteransbenefitsbanking.org website, on it, it provides information about our program in general so people can become familiar with it. And it also provides links to each of the 40 banks and credit unions um, that are participants in the program. Now, each bank and credit union has their own processes in order to apply and, and certainly you know, their own provisions. Uh, in order to gain access to uh, a bank account. So that's between, again, the veteran and that financial institution. Um, but again, if there's issues that folks are having, they're more than welcome to reach out to, to us from a general perspective. But each bank and credit union certainly has their own uh, process and procedures for setting up an account. But participating in our program, they have committed to, again, providing no-cost and low-cost uh, account to our veteran population. Now, we mentioned, we referenced Social Security benefits, and a number of years ago, Social Security transitioned uh, into a point where, by federal law now, Social Security benefits must be paid electronically. You mentioned that you are still, uh, with the VA, issuing paper checks, uh, traditional checks. Do you have that similar, uh, a similar requirement to transition to fully electronic payments sometime down the line? No, absolutely. The law is actually in place across all federal federal payments. All federal payments okay. by law are supposed to be made uh, via electronic uh, EFT, direct deposit. Now, certainly in the case of the veteran population, um, we, are, are, we being the federal government are still making those payments, but we are absolutely encouraging any and all those who receive uh, a check yeah. uh, to get electronic um, access uh, via direct deposit. And in doing so, Treasury has partnered with us. So each and every month when they send out a paper check to a veteran, they include a flyer or an insert in there about the Veterans Benefits Banking Program. I see. Each and every veteran, their beneficiary, because we want to make sure people are aware of the law and number two, aware of the options that they have to get support that they yeah, need. Yeah, because uh, technically it is uh, the law that these need to be paid electronically. And uh, this is not just about a better and more secure way to administer VA benefits, although it certainly is that. Veterans who are unbanked or underbanked are immediately handicapped when it comes to all manner of financial products and services. No, absolutely. We see the access to a bank account is certainly the ability for folks to accumulate wealth uh, in a safe manner. It also is a protection mechanism against fraud, because as we all know, in the digital age, um, there's more and more instances of fraud. Well, again, when you are defrauded with your bank account, most banks and credit unions will reimburse you immediately and then investigate. Versus if you lose a check, mm -hmm. it can be lost. Uh, and, and it certainly takes some more effort uh, to get that replaced. And certainly if you're uh, defrauded and you have a prepaid bank card, 
they investigate first and then reimburse in many cases. Yeah. So again, having a bank account certainly provides more protection, more flexibility, and certainly uh, enhances someone's financial well-being. And to that end, at the end of the day, this not only benefits benefit recipients, the veterans and their families, but also the VA. What has been the payoff for the Veterans Administration in this? So for the Veterans Benefits Administration, what it does is allow us not to have to go out and trace down um, treasury checks that aren't received. Yeah. So that does come at a cost uh, to us. Now, certainly, you know, every veteran is important to us and we're willing to do whatever it needs uh, needs to happen to protect and serve our veterans. But it certainly does come at a cost um, that we have to divert resources to go and trace checks that may be lost. So this certainly allows us to be able to use the resources that we have in other ways that are positioning us to better serve our veterans. Yeah, that is a a great point. That every dollar you have to spend to track down benefits that aren't claimed or uh, you know problems uh, with with paper checks, that's one less dollar you have for actual benefits for veterans. So there is that issue. Uh, Charles Tap the second again is chief financial officer of the Department of Veterans Affairs in the VA's Office of Financial Man- Management at the Veterans Benefits Administration. Where do folks uh, learn more about the Veterans Benefits Banking Program. I would imagine you have uh, all of this information on your website, correct? Absolutely. So if they go to veteransbenefitsbanking.org, they're able to get information again about the program and the participating banks and credit unions. And always, if you call our National Call Center at 1-800-827-1000. Again, that's 1-800-827-1000. One of our call center agents will be more than happy to answer questions. And, and certainly to get uh, a veteran or their beneficiary uh, directed in, in the right place to uh, pursue either setting up an account with one of our participating banks and or to helping them establish direct deposit for their benefit. Mr. Tapp, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me so much. Last weekend, we got our first taste of summertime temperatures, and even though things have cooled considerably since then, and it'll be a while before that kind of heat is the rule rather than the exception, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is once again issuing the familiar warning about the dangers of leaving children in hot cars. Dr. Stephen Cliff is Deputy Administrator at NHTSA, and Dr. Cliff, the data tells you that this is still an issue that we have to talk about, unfortunately, right? It is, and especially as daytime temperatures get higher. Uh, This time of year, uh, the daytime temperatures can get uh, high enough that in a vehicle, uh, it's dangerously hot for a child left alone in a car. We saw last year in Ohio uh, one child that died due to a hot car, but since 1998, 21 children have lost their lives in Ohio alone, 906 nationally since 1998. And I would imagine uh, there is even heightened, more heightened concern as we kind of get back to more of our normal routines post-pandemic, because I'm guessing that some of that drop-off last year was because people were just not driving as much, parents were working remotely, and so on and so forth. Yeah, a change in routine can be one of the biggest factors resulting in a child left alone in a car. So we are concerned that as uh, parents are returning to office and uh, other places of work, that uh, their routines are disrupted, and that can result in in a change that 
uh, and it, that a parent or caregiver will inadvertently forget that a child is left alone in a car. Are there certain parts of the country where uh, this is more likely to happen, or is it pretty much everywhere? Well, it can happen anywhere. Anytime daytime temperatures are over 57 degrees, a car can get too hot to be survivable inside. But it's especially the case in areas with much higher daytime temperatures uh, the the south and the west and in the midwest uh, where you're located, that's uh, those daytime temperatures can get high during the summer. So we we run this campaign from May 1st through the end of September when those daytime temperatures are higher, and we're asking all parents and caregivers to ask themselves. Where's baby? Look before you lock every time you leave a car. It's interesting you mentioned that this can be an issue even when the outdoor temperature is much cooler than we might think. It's not just when we get into those 90 and 100 degree days. That is just one of the misperceptions uh, that people have uh, about uh, heat stroke and, and how it can occur and how quickly it can occur. That's right. Other misperceptions include uh, leaving a vehicle in the shade or uh, thinking, I can just crack a window and that'll keep a, a car temperature low enough. It's not true. Anytime a vehicle is left outside and those, temp- those daytime temperatures are getting up there, it can become dangerously hot for a child left alone in a car. So we ask parents and caregivers, never leave a child alone in a car and always make it a habit to look in the back seat every time you leave that vehicle and of course as i mentioned lock your vehicle when it's left uh when it's left alone we don't want a child to unintentionally gain access to a vehicle uh that's left unlocked even if you don't have a child yourself a neighborhood child couldn't get access to your car that is such an important point that often goes overlooked and what when we talk about the uh, misperceptions or things that people don't realize like for example this past weekend you know we had temperatures uh, that were up into the 80s but very low humidity so it didn't feel as warm does the humidity level uh I- impact the likelihood or the risk at all well, certainly any time uh, the perceived temperature is higher, that's going uh, to be more of a risk. Yeah. But what we're talking about inside a vehicle is the sun is shining inside the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So that temperature inside, just like a greenhouse, is going to get much hotter. In just as few as 10 minutes, uh, the temperature inside a vehicle can rise by 20 degrees. Once the core temperature of a child gets over 104 degrees, it becomes dangerous and it 107 degrees, lethal. So never leave a child alone, uh, unattended in a vehicle. And again, uh, it's really alarming how quickly this can happen. Again, uh, Dr. Stephen Cliff, Deputy Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, again, sounding that familiar warning that we are going to hear time and time again over the uh, coming months. And you have more information at the NHTSA website, correct? That's right. You can go to our website, nitsa.gov slash heatstroke. That's N-H-T-S-A dot G-O-V slash heatstroke. And we have more information, uh, fact sheets, and tips. Dr. Cliff, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. You remember the story about the home that uh, was sold? We had the story, and then we had the follow-up that the home was sold 
uh, with squatters in the basement. <laughs> That's how hot the real estate market is right now across the country. Is that uh, this uh, story that had uh, unpaid renters <laughs> in the in the ba- living in the basement, and uh, the house conveyed with the squatters uh, actually sold for above the asking price. Well, how about this? There is a home in Florida that is up for sale that comes with a very unusual amenity. The owner's ex. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a woman by the name of Crystal Ball. Yes, really, that is her name. Crystal Ball is selling her Panama City Beach home with what she lists as her wonderfully rehabbed ex-husband up for grabs. <laughs> She says, if the potential buyer takes on her ex as well as her old home, she'll discount the price. (laughs) Without the ex-husband discount, the home is listed for just under $700,000. So, but you can save some money if you agree to take her ex off her hands. (laughs) I love it. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Uh, Jace Tunnel says his team from the University of Texas Marine Science Institute surveys about 40 miles of beach along the Gulf Coast at the Mission uh, Aransas Reserve, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, 40 miles along the uh, beach of the Gulf Coast of Texas. And they have been suddenly finding a bunch of dolls, various types of dolls, washing up on the beach. They have no idea where they're coming from. Um, they, they just have no idea. Apparently, they're very creepy because uh, the, uh, uh, their time in the water uh, gives them a very... You know, creepy look. And they're washing up. These dolls are washing up on the beach. Uh, there are photos of these creepy dolls on their uh, Facebook page. And uh, it has uh, actually gone viral, uh, these uh, dolls washing up on the beach. He says about 30 of them have been found uh, since he started posting the photos. Uh, sometimes it's not an entire doll. Sometimes it's just the doll heads that are washing up on the beach. And, um, they actually were selling some of them. One was purchased by a member of the public for 35 bucks. The money was donated to a sea turtle rescue program. So that's cool. He said, uh, the rest of the dolls are being kept in a bucket to be sold at the, uh, organization's annual fundraising auction. You're looking for some creepy dolls. Now that I I would think that I would have to get to the bottom of that story. You know, if I started to saw see uh, all of these dolls washing up on the beach, I'd, I'd think there's got to be a story there somewhere. But uh, no word on where they come from. It's weird. Uh, here's another case of mistaken identity in the broken news. We have had a number of those. Um. You know, with uh, people seeing dead bodies or think they see dead bodies floating in the water, it turns out to be a mannequin, things like that, right? People uncover uh, bones, dig up bones, and they think, oh my goodness, have I stumbled upon a crime? Turns out to be animal rodent bones or something like that. But a group of dogs have tricked Colorado authorities 
into thinking they were wolves. Uh, wildlife officials in Park County, southwest of Denver, began investigating after a blurry video showed a suspected wolf pack running near an elk herd. No sign of any injured or attacked elk. And that led officials to believe that the animals caught on camera were not, in fact, wild dogs. It turns out that they were pets, specifically five St. Bernards <laughs> that were owned by a local uh, rancher. He was cited for allowing his dogs to run at large. <laughs> Generally, you wouldn't think, I mean, wolves and St. Bernards are very distinctly different animals. I mean, St. <laughs> Saint, Saint Bernards, don't look, but it was blurry. It was a blurry video. Still, turns out to be a group of St. Bernards. <laughs> uh, here's an interesting story in the uh, uh, broken news. A cop in Crystal, Minnesota, with more than two decades on the force, is now facing a total of 18 charges after he allegedly accessed his ex-girlfriend's private information on a government database while claiming to be investigating an identity theft case. Charges, charges include multiple counts of exceeding his authority as a police officer, willfully violating data practices acts, and unauthorized computer access. A search of the officer's desk and workspace found several handwritten notes about his ex-girlfriend, including phone numbers and printouts of driver's license and vehicle information, according to the criminal complaint. An investigator with the Bureau of Criminal Investigation found 60 searches involving his ex-girlfriend on the Minnesota Department of Driver and Vehicle Services website between February of 2019 and June of 2021. All of the searches came from this officer's official account. He has been placed on administrative leave, according to Crystal Police Chief Stephanie Revering. Oh, and the cop's name? Derek Hacker. Derek Hacker. Yeah. I've seen that coming. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a Nigerian national is in custody in Lexington, Kentucky, accused of running a so-called romance scam. Uh, the man was transferred to U.S. custody this week after being extradited from Nigeria. Prosecutors say the 33-year-old created fake online dating profiles and convinced women to send him money or give him access to their bank accounts for the purposes of uh, initiating wire transfers of money. Um, he's in custody in Lexington, Kentucky, because many of the uh, victims targeted by the scheme were elderly women from the Lexington area. An indictment also alleges the man hired people in the U.S. to receive and launder the money that was then sent to him in Nigeria. So if you've ever wondered, uh, you get those uh, emails from the Nigerian prince that has like $15 million to give you. Well, this is apparently where it comes from. <laughs> That's what I always wondered. I get those emails. I was like, uh, where does that money come from? Well, now we know. <laughs> that, that part of it is real. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Blance with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads with limited visibility. 
Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. If you are feeling the need to get away from it all, you are not alone. A new poll, in fact, suggests that Americans as a whole collectively need to take a vacation. In fact, the survey of 2,000 people sponsored by Apple Vacations finds that most of us would take four vacations a year if we could, one a quarter. Uh, 30%, nearly 30% of those polled say that they feel very specific physical and emotional indicators telling that telling us it's time for a break, that we really need to get away. There are specific warning signs. 52% say it's high stress levels. 47% say feeling restlessness and fatigue let them know it is time for a vacation. 55% say irritability. And 50% say an inability to focus at work let them know that they are due for a vacation. 48% say when they find themselves frequently daydreaming, it's time to pack it in for a while. But here's the thing. Sometimes a vacation itself can be stressful. 46% of those in the poll say packing to leave and traveling itself are the most stressful parts of a vacation. 38% actually enjoyed traveling to where they're going. You know, that whole getting there is half the fun thing. 38% say that's true. One in 10 say that when you do go on vacation, it takes a full day to begin to unwind. The poll also showed that 60% of us admit that the day that they get back to work, is the day they start planning their next vacation. (laughs) Are you guilty of that? Yeah. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio once again with another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen, because that's what we do on Fridays. Good morning. And we play hide-and-seek. Good morning. Yeah, she was was hiding for me. So, So, you know, the... I'm looking at the time. The break is uh, is ending here, and uh, and I'm running around the. Kyra, Kyra. So where is she? Where is she? I was right so, in the studio. She was right here, uh, just hiding behind the door. So I was thinking that I was going to have to do the uh, recipes myself, and nobody wants that. So today's recipes: peanut butter and cheese sandwiches. It's. Uh, Peanut, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Cheese. Uh, anyway. People do like that, though. Uh, anyway, we've got some uh, terrific recipes uh, today, and this is uh, one of my favorites that you have done in a long time. Yeah. Because I love Swedish meatballs. <laughs> and uh, this is a Swedish meatball pasta bake. Yes. Uh, that is absolutely delish. Yes. So we did this for Easter and then I kind of changed it up and did it again and really like tweaked this. it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tweaked yeah. it a little bit. It was good. Really, the one you did yeah. uh, Easter was yeah. uh, was, was good. good. I know this we one. our family's weird. We do Swedish meatballs for Easter. Okay. But um that yeah. one was good, but yes. after you tweaked this, yes. it, was it was absolutely yes. scrumptious. Yes, this was so. really good. So yeah. egg noodles, mm-hmm. uh, then for your meatballs, two tablespoons of butter, a half of a medium onion finely chopped, three-fourths 
uh, teaspoons of salt, a quarter teaspoon of ground pepper, a quarter teaspoon of ground allspice, quarter teaspoon of nutmeg, one tablespoon of minced garlic, a half a cup of milk, one cup of your panko breadcrumbs, and one pound of ground beef. And then for your gravy, it's six tablespoons of butter, seven tablespoons of all-purpose flour, three and a half cups of low-sodium beef broth. Um, I use my uh, bouillon cubes for that. Oh, okay. Um, One tablespoon of of Worcestershire. I can't say it Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce today. (laughs) I can't say it. (laughs) One tablespoon of Dijon mustard, one tablespoon of dried basil, one cup of milk, and your salt and pepper to taste. So in a large pot of... Boil your water, add your egg noodles, cook those for six minutes, drain, and then put those in a 9 by 13 uh, baking dish uh, sprayed with nonstick cooking spray. So you want to spray that. Make sure you do that. Yeah. yeah, Because you're going to bake it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Then for your meatballs, preheat your oven to 350 degrees, heat your butter um, and saute in a saute pan, uh, add your um, onions, your salt, your pepper, your spices, uh, saute all that together for about five minutes, stirring often, add your garlic, cook for an additional couple minutes, turn the heat down to medium low, add your milk, bring to a simmer. It's going to kind of come to a little bit of a paste almost. Okay. And then you're going to add your breadcrumbs to to that and then let that cool off and then you're going to um, add in your beef and your eggs and then mix that all together, make your meatballs and uh, form them into about one inch balls place them on a nonstick cookie sheet and bake them in the oven for 15 minutes and only 15 minutes because you're going to bake this more. Okay, so it's not going to be fully cooked. Correct. But you need to give it about a 15-minute head start, Correct. basically. And you also note that you don't want to over-mix Correct. your meatballs. meatballs. Yeah. When yeah. you're putting use, those together. Yeah, I use my hands, just kind of mix it all together, make it, you know, uh-huh. and, and, uh, and then for my... I because mean, if you over-mix them... What happens? It can dry them out a little bit. And gotcha. Make them, yeah. And so make they'll them be more dry. crumbly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, hit that sweet spot yeah. in, in constructing yeah. your meatballs. Yes. So then for the gravy. Yes. So in a skillet, in the same skillet that you just prepared your, your, uh, saute your saute skillet melt another six tablespoons of butter over medium heat add your flour whisk constantly for about two minutes until it's completely smooth Mm -hmm. then add in your beef beef broth your worcestershire sauce and your mustard and bring that to a simmer then add your basil and your milk reduce the heat but to continue to whisk that and you're going to get a you're going to get a thicker gravy it's going to thicken up right about 10 to 15 minutes or so uh, depending on how high you have your heat Uh, season with salt and pepper pour the uh, you're going to put your meatballs, uh, once your meatballs are baked, you're going to put those on top of your noodles, then you're going to put your gravy on top of both of those things, and then you're going to put them in the oven and bake for about 30 to 35 minutes um, and serve immediately. So this is a bit of an, an involved it recipe, uh, but it is well worth it's it good. in the end. It's it really is. good. And I would imagine this is one of those things that after you do it a couple of times, yeah. it becomes real easy. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds much more yeah. convoluted than it actually comes out being yeah because there are a lot of ingredients and, i mean and you could that, sub i mean you could sub in and you could get like your your gravy 
your store-bought beef gravy. Oh, okay, um, yeah, And sure. add, uh, just add a couple would, of your, your Dijon mustard to kind of give that, that Yeah, I was going to say, taste. season it a little yeah, bit there. Yeah, season a little bit to give it that, that put your Dijon mustard and your um, Worcestershire sauce in there to kind of give it that flavor mm-hmm. and do it that way. And I a little mean, bit of basil, that. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so anyway, the uh, Swedish meatball pasta bake is absolutely scrumptious. To go along with that, we've got roasted balsamic mushrooms and green beans. Yes. He's, I love this. So I love green beans and mushrooms. So just uh, one 16-ounce package of your fresh green beans, a half a pound of fresh mushrooms, one tablespoon of olive oil, half a teaspoon of balsamic vinegar and salt and pepper to taste. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees, cut and clean your green beans, uh, um, toss in your mushrooms and uh, drizzle with olive oil and balsamic vinegar. And then uh, line a baking sheet with tinfoil, spread your veggies and sprinkle with salt and pepper. Uh, Place in an oven for about 20 to 30 minutes, toss a few times to kind of get them good and crispy Mm -hmm. and make sure your mushrooms are golden brown and done and serve. There you go. Simple as that. That one, that makes up for the uh, more complicated (laughs) recipe for the Swedish meatballs. Roasted veggies are always easy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they're easy and and really yummy. And uh, then for dessert, the chocolate chip blondie bars. Have we done this before? Blondie uh, bars? Blondie bars. I, I... it seems to me that I remember. That's yeah. okay. It's a good one. It's worth repeating yeah. uh, is, if we yeah. have. This is another one that's really good for the summertime with ice cream. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chocolate chip blondie bars. Yes. So one cup flour, quarter teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of baking soda, a half a cup of butter melted and cooled slightly, three-fourths cups of brown sugar, two large eggs, one tablespoon of vanilla extract, and one cup of your chocolate chips. So heat your oven to 350 degrees, spray a nine by nine uh, baking pan with cooking spray uh, in a mixing bowl. Combine your flour, your salt, your baking soda. Uh, stir with a whisk uh, to get all the little clumps, clumps out. out yeah. Add your rem- remaining ingredients, uh, blend together, combine. Uh, then put that in your prepared pan, spread it out. It's going to be thick. So you'll want to spread it out. Make sure your corners are thicker and your middle is thinner. Mm-hmm. Um, bake for about 20 to 26 to 28 minutes until the edges are golden brown. Um, and cool for about an hour and serve with ice cream. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, delicious summertime treat. Good. Spring and summertime treat. This there. is a good fast movie if you're doing something at night, movie night, and you've got that sweet you know, thing going on and you <laughs> want it with your popcorn. This yeah. is really fast okay. and really easy. The Swedish meatball pasta bake, the roasted balsamic mushrooms and green beans, and the chocolate chip brown uh, blondie bars uh, are the recipes this week that are all posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. We also have them linked up at the WFIN Facebook page as well. We shared them there. You can check out those uh, recipes. Make sure you like the Kyra's Kitchen page for uh, more and uh, you can share your feedback on uh, all of these. Maybe you have a way of making you know these recipes even better. Yeah. Um, because that's again what you did with these Swedish meatballs. Mm-hmm. You took the recipe and made it even better. So always open to that. Uh, you can also share uh, anything that uh, you want to share with us on the uh, Kairos Kitchen Facebook page as well. And we've got the link up at goodmornings.net just to be safe. So there we go. My wife Kyra with us uh, this morning. Recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Put the finishing touches on the week. 
Again, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. So be sure to check us out online. Coming up Monday, we roll into a new month. May is National Pet Month. So why not take your furry family members on their very own shopping spree? Amazon is launching its first ever Pet Day event, and we have details. Plus, it's another Mental Health Monday. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.